everybody, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is a one-stop shop having to do with everything regarding conservatism, liberty, the American way, and frankly, just the way that you ought to live your life. And folks, we are about 20 days out from the midterm elections. Can you believe it? I It really has snuck up on us. And this is a big, big time here in the United States. Uh, in Virginia, you know, I'm here in Virginia, so this is going to be a big, big test for Virginians and seeing if they want to get their liberties back and their freedom, control of the schools, work on the economy, and finally, finally having a way to slow this administration down and get some justice for some of the, the tragedies and travesties that have occurred over the last couple of years. But we, because we have to get our country back. I mean, we, we cannot continue down the path that we've been on. This is just, this entire administration is ridiculous and we need to take our nation back. And tonight, what I want to talk about is the FBI once again. And I, you know what, guys, I'm going to just tell you right up front, I, I'm going to have a number of podcasts here in the future where I'm going to talk about some of my own personal experiences in the FBI and some of the things that I saw, things that, uh, you know, that it are not in the media. These, these were things that were my personal experiences, and they're things that shaped what I knew was coming in the FBI, and that is this corruption that we are seeing. And I'm going to talk about an article that uh, a friend of mine, James Gagliano, wrote in the New York Post. Uh, If you recall, if you listen to this podcast, James was a guest uh, earlier this summer. Uh, We had him on. We talked about uh, corruption in the FBI and and he wrote an article. Um, He's on, he writes quite a bit for the New York Post. He's been on both CNN and some of the other news outlets, and he's talked about the FBI. And uh, Jim and I never worked together in the FBI. Uh, I spoke to him after we were both retired supervisory special agents. But uh, he's up in the New York area. He's a mayor in a, in a small town up there and has done some news appearances. But, uh, you know, I he's, he's spot on with many of his assessments, and I want to share one of, the, one of those with you here today. But I, I just want to tell you that, uh, it's just amazing to me. I also want to share with you something that's kind of interesting. I uh, left work earlier this week, and I had one of those strange things that that happened to you. I was, I walked into a an Italian restaurant. To, to just, it's kind of one of those fast food um, Italian restaurants, you know, where you go up to the counter, order whatever it is that you want, and then you wait for it. And I look over, and I see someone that looks exactly like James Comey. And I just thought, there's just no way in hell that that's him. But it was him. And this is up in McLean, Virginia. And I thought to myself, no, that, that can't be him. And, and I went over and I got closer and I thought, no, nah, that's, that's him. And he was with a young boy. I thought, there's just no way in the hell that that's him. Because you guys have to remember that this is a man that is FBI director, has a security detail with him everywhere he goes. He doesn't even drive himself. He's ushered around in an SUV and he has a security detail. And here he is in, in a restaurant with a, a young young boy. And I just thought, that, that can't be him because surely he wouldn't be out in, in public like this, not you know, particularly with the attention that he's gotten in, in recent years and as controversial as he is. And it was a Friday night. And so 
it, you know, a lot of the high school kids were coming in, getting some pizza, some Italian food before they go to a football game there, you know, whatever local high school that was there, whatever football game was going on. And there was a, a table of boys next to me, teenage boys. And, you know, they're just doing teenage boy stuff until one of them kind of notices, hey, this guy sitting at the table next to us looks like James Comey, former director of the FBI. And I could tell that they were going on their cell phones and they were, and I could see what they were looking at and they were pulling up pictures of James Comey and they're like, yeah, I think that's him. I think that's him. And it was kind of funny because one of the boys made eye contact with me and I kind of looked and I went, yep, that's him. Well, I went over because I, I re, I, I was texting some of my retired agent friends and I said, you're not going to believe it. I'm in a restaurant with James Comey. He's, he's right here. And a couple of my friends were like, you know, one one said, you know, go over and, you know, yell at him. And then the other one was like, no, you need to go talk to him. You know, he is a historical figure. And, you know, just just be the, the grown up about this and go over and, and say hello to him. And uh, that's the route that I took. I went over and introduced myself to uh, James Comey. And I was in a suit, you know, a gray suit. I looked very much the part of an agent, even though I'm retired now. And, you know, I just want to give you guys a a couple of my impressions. Number one, he seemed a bit taken aback when I walked up to him because, you know, know, I don't know what's in the man's head, but he had that look like either I was still an agent and he's wondering why I'm talking to him or am I going to come up and confront him? Because I do want to point out that there were a couple of uh, older men that walked by him and they did a double take and they clearly recognized him and they gave him the look like they were upset with him. They, they didn't look like they were fans. Let's just put it that way. And I'm sure that Comey is astute enough to realize that, you know, not everybody is happy with him in that room. So I'm sure he was thinking that there, there was a possibility that I'd be confronting him, but I wasn't going to do that, of course. But uh, I wanted to, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't, know if you remember me, but I'm Mike Van Meter, and I was an instructor down at the academy. And he kind of, he says, yeah, I kind of remember meeting you. I, you know, recognize your face. And, and you know, he was asking me what I was doing now. And I, and I told him I was retired and that I had gone into the, the counseling field. And he was, he seemed genuinely um, happy about that. And he said, you know, that's, that's fantastic. You know, it, it's continued public service. That's great. And I now, of course, I know what he's up to, but I just to be polite, I asked him what he was up to. And he told me that he was teaching uh, up at Columbia. Uh, he was working on some books and, uh, you know, teaching and things along those lines. And the, the young boy that was with him said, you know, hey, is that, you know, are you working that book on that make believe book? And of course, I was thinking, I was chuckling to myself thinking, hey, look, everything this guy writes is, is make-believe. But, you know, I was thinking that, but I didn't say it. But, uh, you know, we, we chatted a little bit more. And then, you know, I, I told him that I was sorry that I upset, you know, his dinner or disturbed his dinner and, and turned around and, and walked away. And that was that. And uh, and then my two former FBI agent friends, when I told him that I talked to him, then they both kind of lambasted me for not uh, confronting him. And just, you, you can't win. <laughs> They they coax you into doing it, and then uh, then you do it, and then they're upset because they didn't confront him. But anyway, uh, it just what a small world that I, I ran into him, and that was uh, about a week ago. But 
speaking of the FBI, I do want to share this article with you. And again, this is the New York Post, uh, James Gagliano. If you've not checked him out, please do so. Uh, Writes some interesting stuff. And, you know, he has a perspective like I do. You know, he was in the FBI for uh, over 20 years and he's a veteran. I'm a veteran and was in the FBI for over 20 years. But, um, you know, it's it's New York Post and it was October, dated October 19th. And um, here here's what it is. The title is, uh, the FBI Agents Association rewarded agents who took a knee in front of BLM, proving the rot isn't just at the top. And no, it's not. And I plan on talking to you guys about some of my experiences in the FBI. And I will tell you that I recognized a long time ago, actually, that the rot just is not at the top. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about some of those things here. But I do want to cover this article because it, it really touched me in this. You know, So for those of you that don't remember uh, when all the riots were going on um, uh, in the summer, you know, we had the summer of love, we had some agents um, infamously take a knee in front of BLM protesters. And uh, here's James' take on it, and I'll, then I'll talk, give you a little bit of my take on it. So here's what James says. He says, the FBI Agents Association bills itself as quote, dedicated to advancing and safeguarding the careers, economic interests, conditions of employment, and welfare of FBI agents and retired FBI agents. Founded in 1981, the nonprofit boasts 14,000 members, including 90% of the current agent workforce. And remember, there's about roughly 13,000 agents in the, uh, in the organization at any one time. And once enjoyed almost universal appeal and respect among them, once. With outrageous political decisions by its board, it has sullied itself, just as James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Kevin Kleinsmith annihilated the top law enforcement agency's reputation during the 2016 Russiagate hoax. And yes, they did. So FBI executive management lauded on-duty agents who knelt before Black Lives Matter protesters at the height of the George Floyd unrest and riots for their de-escalation efforts. Is that what it was? The Washington Times recently reported, a whistleblower said the counterterrorism agent special in charge of the Washington, D.C. field office even hugged each of them after the June 4th, 2020 incident. While not all the presence patrol agents assigned to the scene, which included the Supreme Court and the National Archives, took a knee in a show of solidarity or an act of cowardice, in capitulation at least, seven did. And what was the FBI Agents Association's response to this embarrassing gesture? Well, as the paper reported, and FBI insiders confirmed to me, meaning Gagliano, the organization rewarded the kneelers with a $100 attaboy, or what it described as gift cards of modest value. Shocking and appalling on its face, looked at in the larger context, this disgusting decision proves the rot and decay at the FBI is not singularly the domain, the domain of senior officials. During my 25-year career, I was privileged and honored to work alongside FBI agents who killed or cra- captured top 10 fugitives and violent, dangerous, murderous felons. To my knowledge, not one of these actual heroes received an FBI AA gift card of modest value. A number of rightly incensed retired FBI agents, and you're listening to one of them right now, described in detail to me their unsatisfying email and telephone exchanges with FBI AA President Brian O'Hare. I did not know him personally, and we never served alongside one another. 
John Wilson, a trusted, widely respected former colleague and retired FBI unit chief who served as one of the Attorney General's handpicked protection detail members between 2001 and 2007, says O'Hare advised him he fully supported this reward the kneeler's idea his vice president, Wes Wheeler, proposed. It's interesting, I actually know Wes Wheeler. Wilson shared with me his on-the-record disdain uh, for the Stefai's credulity action by the FBIAA, an organization that represents all of us within the FBI, both active and retired. The FBI, he says, has not only circled the drain, it is already in the grease trap by the curb. The kneelers not only shouldn't have been rewarded by the FAA, they put themselves and those few agents who knew not to kneel at a severe tactical disadvantage and should have at least been suspended without pay. The FBIAA had to realize the two possible, equally repugnant purposes behind the kneeler's actions, the symbolic genuflection in the face of protesters and the movement's rioters who destroyed businesses and government buildings and claimed lives was either an expression of unity with BLM or these armed agents were blatant cowards and spinelessly acquiesced to the demands of a threatening mob. Whichever the reason, it is fully nauseating to career agents like Wilson. It's further dishonor for an FBI now fully distrusted by half the country, with only 44% of Gallup respondents in 2021 felt the agency was doing an excellent or good job. Yes, this shameful incident even isn't even the FBIAA's only self-inflicted bad guy. Its first jump-the-shark moment occurred in January 2019, that is when then-FBIAA President Tom O'Connor posted, by the way, I also know Tom O'Connor, posted an open letter decrying the partial federal government shutdown that paused FBI paychecks. Capitol Hill Democrats and their mainstream media lapdogs, of course, blamed President Donald Trump. I recall reminding O'Connor that the FBIAA is apolitical and this public announcement smacked of partisanship. It was not lost in many of us that the FBIAA never uttered a peep during the October 2013 partial government shutdown, but Barack Obama was president then. It's this type of blatant hypocrisy that infuriates many current and former FBI, uh, former and uh, current and retired FBI agents, rather. But we live in troubled times. Hillary Clinton's home in Chappaqua could be outfitted with a private server containing classified information with the Justice Department taking her at her word at the destruction of some 33,000 under-subpoena emails only relegated to yoga routines and Chelsea's wedding planning. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence was subject to an invasive search warrant. Meanwhile, even as his attorneys were negotiating with the National Archives about potentially mishandled documents. The Biden administration and its attack dog, Attorney General Merrick Garland, have been relentless in pursuit of Trump supporters who breached the Capitol and paraded around its hallways like buffoons while Democrats have held no congressional hearings about the anarchy. Chaos and insurrectionism of the summer of love of 2020, Seattle and Minneapolis police precincts were occupied and immolated. A federal courthouse was firebombed while federal agents were trapped inside and deadly autonomous zones were established in Democrat-led cities. I've come to grips with the fact that my beloved FBI has been irreparably broken by woke activists serving amongst its senior ranks. And with the Justice Department appearing to do this, President Spitting, by targeting his political adversaries, 
it will take a monumental house cleaning and a seismic shift in culture at both the DOJ and FBI to begin the to restore America's trust and confidence. As for FBI AA leadership, how about some soul searching? Course correction on which FBI heroes you choose to deify and reward with 30 pieces of silver. The kneelers don't deserve your pathetic gift cards of modest value. And uh, Jim Gagliano is a retired uh, FBI supervisory special agent. And uh, again, I didn't serve with him, but uh, haven't talked to him quite a bit. And he's been on this this podcast. So I agree with him wholeheartedly there. And it's, it's very, very disappointing. You know, I'm not even getting into the legitimacy of BLM and whether it's a uh, Marxist organization or not, which it is. But uh, that being said, look, there were riots that were going on. And I'm not going to get into the debate of what happened with George Floyd and all that. That's been litigated over and over and over. And, and you can go back and listen to my take on that whole incident on earlier editions of this this podcast. What you have to understand is that when you are a law enforcement officer, your job is to be a political. You know, I obviously throw out my opinions now, but I'm retired. When I was in the FBI, I took no sides with anyone. And in this particular case, these agents were tasked with protecting various federal properties, namely the Supreme Court and the National Archives, which was mentioned in this particular article. Your job is to protect that space, period. Your job is not to side with the protesters. Your, your job is to not take any sides whatsoever with anything that's going on. That was a political movement. It was uh, a violent movement. And you had one single mission, and that was to protect those properties. And to take a kneel is something that you're doing because you're saying that you agree with these people. And that is not to be done as an active duty FBI agent. You know, one of the things that really surprised me when I went into the FBI, being a military guy, you know, in the military, I don't remember anyone ever talking about politics. You just don't do that in the military because the oath of office that you take is beaten into your head. You're, you're told you follow the orders of whoever's appointed over you and you are to follow the Constitution and, and obey those directions. And you, we follow whoever the commander in chief is. And when I went into the, the FBI, I kind of assumed being a paramilitary organization that that's how it was going to be done. But it wasn't like that. People openly talk about politics in the office. That is if you have a left-leaning view. If you have a right-leaning view, then <laughs> it's a very, very different case. Um, you know, God help you if you express conservative views in the FBI today. And if anybody disagrees with me, then, you know, give me a call. If you're a former FBI agent and you don't agree with what I just said, give me a call and I'll have you on here and I can interview you about it because I'm telling you that was my experience. It's okay to express left-wing views. It is not okay to express uh, right-wing views. But my point is you sh neither side should be expressing any views whatsoever. I'll share this with you. When um, James Comey was fired, and I talked about James Comey here in the, uh, earlier in the podcast. When James Comey was fired, there was a unit chief that I know, and for a period of time I worked for in the FBI, that the next day after he was fired, after James Comey was fired, this unit chief posted on his Facebook page, FDJT, FDJT. Now, I'm, I'm giving you the 
Uh, it was DJT, so we know that's Donald J. Trump, but the F word was actually spelled out, and I'm not going to repeat that here, but it was on this guy's Facebook page, his open Facebook page. This was a unit chief in the FBI. Can you imagine that? you telling me that there's no bias in the FBI, and that's just one example. It just comes to my mind right now. Now, this individual, somebody must have talked to the individual immediately and said, dude, you need to take that down. Because eventually he did take it down, but it was there. And that is not indicative of an organization that is apolitical and follows the instructions of the commander-in-chief. Guys, we can't have this two ways. You can't, you, don't, you can't have agents that have openly di- dis- um, display animosity towards one or another candidate. You can't have that. And I saw that over and over in the FBI. I would go into offices in the FBI, you know, where uh, those of you, if you're, not, if you're not familiar with the federal government, you know, in military organizations and the federal law enforcement agencies, you're supposed to have, you know, pictures of the president, the vice president, and the, in our case, the attorney general up on the wall in the, uh, you know, in the entryways of, of buildings. And uh, there were offices in the FBI where Donald Trump's picture was not even up was not even on the wall for a year and a half to two years uh, into his presidency. And I would complain about that. And you know what what I was told one time? This is the FBI headquarters, the Hoover building. I I went and I complained once uh, about that. And I was told, well, the the printing shop (laughs) is behind schedule and they haven't had time to, to get to printing out his picture and putting it on the wall. And uh, so if you're in Trump world, if you're, (laughs) If, if anybody out there has contact with uh, former President Trump, uh, have them contact me and I'll tell you I'll tell you all about it. His picture was not even put up on the wall in many of the offices until they were forced to do that. And um, it's just amazing what, what people did. This organization is absolutely politicized. And starting with this midterm election that we have coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks, we've got to turn the ship around and we have to have investigations. And I, yeah, if you're in Virginia, if you're in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Yesley Vega is running for the 7th Congressional District. And I went to a luncheon with her and uh, I actually posed this uh, at this particular luncheon where I said, you know, what you guys have got to do if you get elected is you've got to take a hard look at the FBI and clean that organization out. Now, the problem is many people, and no offense to Yesley, but she's she falls into this category, uh, she doesn't understand the FBI. Nobody does. Unless you've been inside the FBI, you don't understand the organization. And if you don't understand the organization, very little chance that you're going to be able to effectively change it. You have to go in and identify where the problems are. And on this podcast, I've talked about the promotional system. I've talked about the nepotism. I've talked about um, how... managers are selected in the FBI and then they can pick the people that work around them and you can have that cabal after after all that's how you have people like you know Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Kleinsmith, Page they can all be in one room and have these discussions about undermining the president and there's no one in the room to question what they're doing because they surround themselves with people that are just like them but any elected official that is going to attempt to fix this has to understand how these people get into these positions to begin with and how the FBI promotional system is what contributes to that. And it has to change. But anyone running for Congress right now or the Senate 
or running for president. And if you're listening to this podcast, you need to surround yourself with people that understand this organization. If you have any chances, or if you think that you want to change this organization, you will not be able to do so unless you're surrounding yourself with people that are in the side of the organization and understand how, how it works. And I'm not talking about assi- former assistant directors, deputy assistant directors, and unit chiefs and section chiefs. That's not who I'm talking about. You need to get people that were never at that level. And the reason why that's important is because if they got to that level, they're likely political. You need to have people that were career public servants, career FBI agents that care about the organization, want the organization to do better, because we have to have an organization like the FBI, but it cannot continue to operate the way that it is right now. And the FBI Agents Association needs to be condemned for what they did, rewarding these people for taking a knee. I condemn it. And I'm telling you right now, I'm reaching out to the FBI Agents Association and removing my membership. And I know a number of other former FBI agents that are doing the same. I want no part of that organization because I will not be part of rewarding people who should have been disciplined for what they did. We cannot have a politicized FBI. And God willing, I ever end up in an office where I have influence over that organization, that will be my mission is to clean that organization out absolutely my mission to do that and so two weeks out i know that we are going to have a lot of success in getting um this congress turned around so we can then work on this country we can work on our economy we can work on our schools we can work on our education we can work on our military we can bring pride back to this nation and bring justice back to this nation and bring back the equality in the eyes of justice to this nation. We are so out of whack right now, and we need to change it. So, folks, I just wanted to share this information with you, and I'm going to be telling you some more stories, so you're going to want to listen closely to this podcast as we move forward. But uh, I'm excited about uh, November 8th. Get out, vote. Encourage all of your friends and family to vote. Folks, we can do this. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on my election, too. Uh, as soon as this election's over with, then I'm going to be campaigning harder for my own seat, which is uh, the 33rd District in um, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and that's for the Virginia State Senate. And that will be November of next year, 2023. So, folks, with that, this is Mike Van Meter, and this is the Mike Van Meter Show. Thanks for joining me. Pass this information along. I really appreciate you listening. Don't worry, folks. We're going to take this country back. And we're going to clean up the FBI, I promise. Take care.